You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey, Clancy, you remember how when we used to drive to work? Uh, when we used to what to wear? And we would just put on a podcast or a book and learn something passively while doing something else like driving. Is that why people listen to us to learn? Oh, I hope not. No, uh, they should listen to us to laugh. To learn, they should check out Knowable. It's a new app where experts offer audio courses in leadership, business, wellness, and more. Okay, well, this sounds perfect for me. Sometimes I have a hard time reading ad copy, much less entire books. Yeah, and Knowable courses are perfect for that. With fun 10-minute daily audio lessons from top thinkers, experts, authors, and weekly live discussions, it's perfect for multitasking. So it's like Spotify for personal development? Yeah, that's a solid elevator pitch. Good job. Comprehensive podcast-style audio courses. What are they about? Well, there's a course on improv that the UCB did and another one on launching a startup with a founder of Reddit, uh, Alexis Sohanian. Oh, so I could learn improv while doing chores? Yes, and you could start doing chores. How dare you? Get hundreds of hours of educational content with Knowable's entire library of courses, all ad-free at a special rate of $50 a year for a limited time. But guess what? You can get an extra 20% off for being one of our listeners. Just download the Knowable app and use code NONPLUSSED for 20% off your subscription and tap into the knowledge of 200 experts at the top of their field ad-free. Again, just download the Knowable app and use code NONPLUSSED for 20% off your first subscription. I'll think to that. And one for Mahler. Now, if there's one thing I don't know... <laughs> Look, there's a lot of things I don't know. Yeah. Another episode of Non Plus, a gay romp through the Disney Plus vault. That over there is my husband, Clancy. Over there is my husband, Josh. And this is Non Plus, a mischief media podcast. I thought I'd mix it up this time. Usually oh, I do a different vocal riff. That was nice, John. John Ralphio. <laughs> non Plus is the best. Yeah. That was real gay. Yeah. Hi, baby. Hi. How are you, honey? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I did not hate the film we watched today. I didn't either. I feel like this is a, a reprieve from what has so far been a year of some fucking doozies. Yeah, it but has. We've we've made some choices. We have made some choices. Choices. But before we get into it, let's talk what's new on Mischief Merch this week. Look at this. For you Shang-Chi fans, for you Black Panther fans, there is some new athletic athleisure wear for uh, thems and theydies of all shapes and sizes. Yeah. We've got this Shailing uh, line that is inspired by the character of the same name from Shang-Chi. Yep. And we've got this warrior armor line that's inspired by the armor from uh, the Dora Milaje and Black Panther. All it, that and more at mischiefmedia.com. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really liking the whole sportswear that they've been doing recently. It's this gorgeous. I need to get some of these plus size leggings because they yeah. look super comfortable. And I mean, absolutely. Hello. Just you get you go into the gym, this pretend gym that I go to in my geek wear and everybody going, oh, where'd you get those nice leggings? Well, I got them at mischiefmerch.com and person on the treadmill next to me. If you use code nonplus 10 on any of that MCU stuff or on any of the stuff of this podcast you should be listening to, you get 10% off your purchase. Oh, wow. Nonplus 10, one zero. 
hot diggity damn. Other housekeeping, if you've been under a rock, then you've missed um, that Miss Marvel is coming out June 8th. Yep. And that we've got our first teaser for Thor Love and Thunder, which is premiering July 8th, one month later. Mm-hmm. We've got Dr. Strange Mom next month in May. Yeah. Kids, we're back in a fun cadence. We're going to have a bit of a drought because we still don't know when Wakanda Forever comes out. You know, yeah. it's a summer of Marvel content. Who who doesn't love that? No, that would be absolutely I'm delightful. sure there are some people who don't love that, but uh, they're not listening to this podcast. Are they're they? not. Well, maybe some of them. I'm making overgeneralizations when really what we should do is get to the show. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Our research, as always, comes from Wikipedia, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and Box Office Mojo. Anything else we reference, I'll drop links to. Absolutely. Fancy, what are we talking about this week? Um, Well, this week we are doing Disney Pixar's Brave. Brave. I had never seen this before. That's right. Um, Josh had seen this. um, In theaters with Patrick, our silent partner, partner, stage manager, uh, live producer. Yeah. um, Voice in our ear that you can't hear. Exactly. Um, That's his mantra, I think. (laughs) He and I went, it, it, when it came out, to see it at a draft house, Um, the one that's got the nice fully reclining yeah. seats now. But I think that may be the last time I saw it all the way through. <laughs> um, but when we started dating early on, we went to Disney and saw Merida's, you know, induction into the princess canon. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, before we get into it, what would you think? This was your first time seeing it overall? I mean, overall, I, I did enjoy it. Honestly, I, I don't know why I didn't see it. I mean, I was in the heat of film school at well, that time. So, like, let me ask you a question then, Clancy. Yeah. If you could change your fate, would you? No. <laughs> because I might not have ended up here. I mean, I don't know how this multiverse works, but, like, you know. Bless. Um, well, well, goodness, I'm all, I'm all blushing over here. It was released June 22nd, 2012 and runs a neat and tidy 93 minutes. It's paced really well. When you it think was. It. Honestly, I was. It, there wasn't no point where I was like, let's pause and see where we're at. Right. It was directed by Brenda Chapman and co-directed by Mark Andrews. Now, there's some hot goss here. We'll get into the end. But essentially, Brenda parted ways because of what creative differences. Mark came in and finished things. I, I will say that for the drama that appears to be lying under the official reports, it's nice that they credited her as the director and him as the co-director. Yeah. I like that. For sure. Written by her story, he made some edits, and then also Steve Purcell and Irene Mechie. Uh, in terms of the cast, we've got uh, Kelly McDonald as Myrda. And Peggy Barker as young Merida. Yeah. Uh, Emma Thompson as Queen Elnor. Billy Connolly as King Fergus. Julie Walters as the witch. Robbie Coltrane as Lord Dingwall. Kevin McKidd as Lord MacGuffin and young Lord MacGuffin, whose lines were spoken in Doric. Yeah, it's a Scottish dialect. So he's actually saying shit. That's He's rad. not just rattling on gibberish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Craig Ferguson as Lord MacIntosh. My God. Steve Purcell as the crow. Patrick Doyle as Martin the guard. John Ratzenberger as Gordon the guard. And for some reason, two people are credited for Maudie. I don't know why, but it's Sally Kinghorn and Eileen Frazier. Yeah. And then Stephen Cree as young Macintosh. And then Callum O'Neill as Wee Dingwall. Bless him. Yep. Um, any thoughts before diving in? No, I think, uh, you know, like I said, this is the first time I've seen it. And I thought it was good. So, All right. Yeah. Well, here we go then. Let's do it. Let's do it. In medieval Scotland, Princess Merida of the clan Dunbroch is given a bow and arrow by her father, King Fergus, for her sixth birthday, much to the dismay of her mother, Queen Eleanor. 
While venturing into the woods to fetch an arrow, Merida encounters a will-o'-the-wisp. Soon afterward, Mordu, a huge demon bear, attacks the family. Merida flees on horseback with Eleanor, while Fergus and his men fend off Mordu, though the fight costs him one of his legs. Ten years later, Merida, now 16 years old, discovers that she is to be betrothed to the son of one of her father's allies. Eleanor explains that failure to consent to the betrothal could harm Dunbroch, reminding Merida of a legend of a prince whose pride and refusal to follow his father's wishes destroyed his kingdom. This is definitely a movie that is helped by subtitles. <laughs> Abso-fucking-lutely. I don't think I would have been able to follow what was going on in a theater. And I, I you know, it's, it's, it is the, the, if you could change your feet, would you? It's a, it's almost a trope of a joke, but, but I, there's, there, there's some, just like there's some, what does she say? There's some learning in the lessons in the legends. There's some lessons in the legends. Yeah. Um, the the accents for an American ear sound very accurate. They, they, I expected them to subtitle what uh what was being said in Doric, but nope. No, yeah. <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that was because people in world didn't understand what he was saying for sure. And so I think that gonna, was the joke. Yeah. I you know which I mean eh, okay. In this opening scene where it's the the flashback, the backstory, or whatever, Fergus says something about a dancing Taddy Bogle. I saw a wisp. A wisp? You know, some say that will-o'-the-wisps lead you to your fate. Oh, I Or an arrow. Oh, come on, let's be off. Before we see a dancing tachibogle or a giant... Uh, a great new stage name. <laughs> Give it up for Dancing Teddy Bogle. <laughs> my God, that, would be, that would be very good. For the listeners, I'm miming pasties yeah, uh, with my pointer fingers. Some of little... you've seen this move before. My um, God. Where the fuck did that bear come from? Oh, yeah. Fucking out of nowhere. Everybody's dancing, having a good time. Demon bear. This is a hell of a way to start this movie out. It just goes from. Oh, we're a happy, like, you know, this is a happy little family Whimsy in the woods. To, my God, you're being attacked by a fucking bear. Holy shit, it's a bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and not even a, like, you know, a cute bear or whatever. No, this this was fucking terrifying. And then, uh, oh, here's the logo. Yeah. <laughs> Brave. <laughs> Flash forward. Yeah. Papa's got a brand new leg and um, a princess does need doodle. <laughs> A princess must be knowledgeable about her kingdom. She does need doodle. That's a C, dear. (laughs) (laughs) A princess does not need shortle. Does not need stuff her gob? Rises early. Is compassionate. Patient. Cautious. Clean and we get, we get, um, yeah, it's it's, just, yeah, I mean, similar to the opening song in, um, Enchanted, except rather than the heroine saying, Here's all the shit I gotta do, it's Scottish Emma Thompson, yeah, listing off all the things a princess is and is not. Now, Emma Thompson's not Scottish, right? No, she's English. Okay, so she's she is putting on a, a foreign accent then. Well, well, I mean, I don't know if you technically call it foreign. There's a whole sub discussion that I am not equipped to have about the difference between the UK, the Britain and the British Isles. Okay. There's a map that I could show you with some lines around it, but I don't know that you could technically say that Emma Thompson is doing a quote for an accent. Especially because she's fucking Emma Thompson. She could do whatever the fuck she pleases. Fair enough. Yeah. How about that? Absolutely right. How about that? 
I mean, I was happy to see that Fergus didn't die. Uh, like I was, I was fully prepared for them to be like, okay, so we're killing the parents right off the bat. You know, like that, that's where my, I was going. And when it showed his pig, like I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, great. And it's interesting that of the two, it's the mother who doesn't really have a leg to stand on. (laughs) You're welcome. Then they're at dinner. Meredith's got a plate full of cakes for some reason. Right. Um, and Emma Thompson continues to be my favorite thing about this movie so far mm-hmm. when she says that if Merida eats all of that, she's going to get the quote, dreadful. Collie wobbles. Princess or not, learning to fight is essential. Mom, you'll never guess what I did today. Mm-hmm. I climbed the crone's tooth and drank from the firefalls. Firefalls? They say only the ancient kings were brave enough to drink the fire. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do, dear? Nothing, Mum. Hungry, aren't we? Mum. You get dreadful collie wobbles. Oh, Fergus. Well, you look at your daughter's plate. Um, <laughs> and that's where we get introduced also to the the silent brothers. They don't actually, they don't actually ever say any speak, words. No. They are such robust characters as a trio. Yeah. You know exactly who they are. You know exactly what their motivations are. And they don't need to say a word. Absolutely not. I love it. And it's great little demon babies that they are like yes. it was really refreshing and fun i liked that also really liked the music like the the song that happened yes, at, this, the, at the beginning the gaelic music the yeah. whole you know sort of um <laughs> the, like celtic moods of it all isn't that relaxing it's called celtic moods yeah um even though celtic is irish and that Sure. I, I'm going to say some things that will offend a very specific set of people, but frankly, just laugh along, unclench a little bit. I'm a stupid <laughs> American. Just lean into that. For sure. Um, she runs out to go, you know, be the, the, the tomboy. I'm not really this kind of lady mother. We get that, you know, yeah. she's going to go out and, and shoot her arrows. And all I could think was this horse is a ficking chunker. He's a chunky. <laughs> My God. I love this horse. And I also, um, when we're getting to meet the horse who is, uh, what's his name? Hamish. I noticed that the horse's eyes and the dog's eyes are very naturalistic. It's the first time I made this note that kind of, huh, compared to, for example, the horse and enchanted, they're more natural animal eyes. And then, you know, the benefit of hindsight now having watched the movie, it's that's one of the slight ways they're indicating the difference between quote animals and humans. Yeah. And and that was, yeah, very subtle, but also like, true pixar like it's those sort of details that really elevate the storytelling that they're able to do well and even in the fabrics like as you look at their tartans and their clothing and even in the tapestry which is Mm -hmm. a MacGuffin, (laughs) the tapestry is a MacGuffin. i mean basically yes (laughs) anyway my point is um the 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 textiles all look really like you could touch them um, and to be fair to Merida, my mom had lots of opinions on what I should and shouldn't be gay. Uh, and similarly never showed any interest in what I considered accomplishments, getting a boyfriend. So I totally get it. Absolutely. I completely see where you're coming <laughs> from. Like, I mean, again, you sort of see yourself in the film and like, but again, oh, absolutely. And I haven't those... watched this film in its fullness, in its fullness, in its entirety sure. since my mother passed. And so suddenly there's an extra lens on top of this. But that's one thing that Pixar's always been good with, which mm-hmm. was adding those things that allow the identi- the audience, especially the older audience, to identify with the things that are happening on screen. And I would like, argue that it's uh, them reminding the audience that they have unreconciled trauma in their past <laughs> that they've buried. Also that. 
But also see, you know, Inside Out, also see Turning Red. Yeah, I don't know when to make this point, but like, we'll make it at the end. But I want to talk about the, the difference between, or the parallels and where they depart between Turning Red and this. Because I Absolutely. think it shows a different, it shows a generational difference in the filmmakers behind it, I think. For, for sure. Well, I guess we can talk about the animation style and stuff like that. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, one of the things that was kind of clear, and I mean, obviously this is 2012. Right. Um, the skin is very flat and not very detailed. You say um, that, but that might just be how Scottish people look. Well, wouldn't you expect sort of more pasty freckles? And rubbery. And, like things mm, like that? I think that's Irish people. Mm, fair enough. But again, I'm saying some very blanket things with the intention of being hilariously offensive. <laughs> for, for sure. <laughs> but no, I mean this in, in the aspect of like, it, it's it, Pixar is still trying to figure out how to do humans, really. Um, and like up until this point, we really hadn't had too many human characters other than I think what Wally was 2008, something like that. Anyways. Um, well, this same year was Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, for sure. but. You know, that's still that same. There was it was a weird disconnect between the way that the skin textures were versus the textures of everything else, because like the rocks, the grass, even the hair, all of that had a quality like a rendering to it. thing because they put so much extra into the environments and the hair and the fabric of maybe the skin just had to be not as enough. I don't know. If, as much. I don't know if that's necessarily the thing. I still think that they were just trying to figure that portion out. And Pixar has hmm. always been known for picking a thing that they're going to champion in that movie. And that's really what they're going to folk like put a lot of their effort in, which for this one was all of those hairs on Merida's head that were all individually animated. Oh yeah. And just the way that it was falling in the physics with that. And, and the, the way that Fergus has to play with his own hair when he's pretending to be Merida, just yeah. to make sure that the impression of her hair gets across. <laughs> exactly. Uh, pretend I'm Merida. Speak to me. What would you say? do this sure you can there there that's my queen right here we go i don't want to get married i want to stay single and let my hair flow in the wind as i ride through the glen firing arrows into the sunset when she gets up to the top of that waterfall with the mist that was happening those little tiny beads and i mean mind you we're watching this on a 4k tv which yeah. this is remastered in dolby vision so that also might be maybe why the skin doesn't look as detailed because this was either shown on film or the at most 1080p yeah so like you know there's yeah things that they're probably adding at that point that was the only weird disconnect i mean it melted away as we mocked as we watched through the movie so it really wasn't as we mocked the movie as we mocked the movie <laughs> it melted away that's my little clancy's animation corner thank you for clancy's being here animation corner i don't really have anything to poke too much fun at at this point i have a problem Uh oh and that problem is why the fuck does she have to have a suitor why are we continuing with this trope <laughs> in every sort of medieval sort of uh uh time you know medieval Clancy, setting i would movie. argue that it's precisely because of that trope that this movie happens that they're trying to turn it on they're its trying head, to subvert and it they do because they make it about the relationship between the mother and the daughter and not about the relationship between the daughter and the father Absolutely. or the daughter and the suitors. But what it did was light a fire under me that was just like, I don't want to see that kind of movie. And I'm glad that they subverted that. But for a minute there, I was going to be like, is that really what this is all going to be about? Who's going to marry her? Like, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that. I need something that's a little bit more empowering, I guess. But it is what it is. And honestly, it again, I, it was so... <laughs> 
It was subverted. You are complaining about a movie you know, were not made to watch. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> At that moment, it put me in a space where I was like, this is such a tired trope. I'm, I've seen this movie before. I'm glad that it didn't go down that road. And let's continue down it. <laughs> Jesus. The Allied clan chieftains and their firstborn sons arrive to compete in the Highland Games for Merida's hand in marriage. Merida twists the rules, announcing that as her own clan's firstborn, she is eligible to compete for her own hand. She easily bests her suitors in an archery contest, shaming the other clans, and after a heated disagreement with Eleanor, runs away into the forest. Wisps appear, leading her to the hut of an elderly witch. Merida bargains for a spell to change her fate, and the witch gives her an enchanted cake. When Merida gives Eleanor the cake, it transforms her into a bear, unable to speak, but still retaining most of her human consciousness. And here's where things take a turn. And here's where things take a turn. <laughs> First of all, these suitors are wild. These boys. Okay, let's talk about them. First, we've got young Macintosh. Yes. Uh, who doesn't get a first name. No, not But at he's all. got his sword called the Stab Blutter. The Stab Blutter. For some reason. Yeah. Um, that big ass nose. Yeah. That cheeky peck wobble. And then the scream that he lets out when he gets his nipple twisted. Also, he's a slap fighter. This guy barely speaks, and we know so much about his character. Absolutely. Just in these first few minutes. <laughs> we also have young MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at his entrance, you literally said out loud, uh-oh. <laughs> because he's this baby Huey-looking, super strong thumb of a man with a tuft of blonde hair. Yeah. He's the one speaking in dork the entire time. Absolutely. And, it's and he's been trying to tell his dad that he's been gay this entire time, <laughs> and they are not listening to him. Dude, if he was even closer, I could love a kibara and gun. And then we've got Wee Dingwall, who the only note I had for him was he's a biter. He's a biter. It's goddamn malarkey. Oh, his father has no neck. That chin just <laughs> recedes right back into it. Oh, my God. And then yeah. in the, like, so they're having this big brawl as look, honestly, if there's a dick measuring contest to be had, as we know from later, they could just pull their skirts up and solve that real quick. <laughs> I mean, for sure. But, um, at one point, a sheep gets launched through the yeah, air. There's, there's animals that are getting tossed <laughs> through this room. I mean, it's 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 a ballroom blitz. I mean, basically, <laughs> the clan the back said everyone attack, and it turned into a ballroom blitz. Oh, the girls in the corner said that sheep's a goner, and it turned into a ballroom blitz. <laughs> but I also like that their dogs did not want to have anything to do with this. Dogs brawl. gave no fucks, no fucks at all. And dogs like, might delightful. get honorable mention as like the miscongeniality sort of like. <laughs> my fan favorite character it's like the between yes. the dogs and the and the brothers for me oh absolutely the brothers are probably my favorite thing of the movie absolutely now do you think i could cosplay as maudie and people would get it i mean like it's oh. a real simple wimple and the and just the with the titties just up yeah and a nice burlap dress and hide a key down it just hide a key down <laughs> roll my into d23 God. cosplaying as maudie yeah, it'd be it'd probably be the easiest Disney cosplay for me to do. I say that it's a medieval dress. What am I yeah. talking about? I don't even have a sewing well, machine. And Who wants to make me a Maudie dress? I'm putting it out there to the universe. Yes, absolutely. I do want to talk about sexuality in this movie because my God, they th there's there's so many boobs nakedness. To be fair, there are no bare boobs in this film, though. There's don't no, but, lead anyone but astray. But her boobs, I mean, she hides a key in it. Oh, yeah. And then a baby run. And, and then, then a baby, a baby falls. Fa okay, look, we're not the ones. We're not the ones. This is a child turned into a bear 
falling into some titties. I'll get to it later. I'll get yeah, to we'll it later. get to it in a bit. Macintosh has rage issues. Yeah, he he yeah. gets so mad when yeah. he's like, ju- like he doesn't quite make the mark, and then throws yeah. his bow, and and then that guy, I caught it, and then everybody <laughs> like cheers. It's so delightful. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed like his fangirls behind the barriers all freaking out. I mean, same of the three of them. He's the one he's, I'd go for. Well, I think I would have gone for you'd uh, be going for McGruff or McGuffin. McGuffin. Yeah. McGruff. McGuffin's. You a, a big soft boy you can't understand? Yeah, but who can crush a log for you? Please, I know, I know. Uh. I've read your diary. But to your point, like we get the first hint of this when uh, Dingwall uh, flips up his kilt. Yeah, um, because his big strongman, who we were initially led to believe was his son, but mm-hmm. isn't, um, is performing very well in the tug of war. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he flips up, he, he moons the other two lords. Yeah. At which point I'm like, okay, see, like, this is what I... And he was bent over. So you know that you said, you saw the whole ass, probably tiny hole. They saw the full balls. Squidward. When you think about it, it's Squidward. Oh my God. How you ruined. Ruined is what that is. Did we get the full Squidward? Merida pulls a Robin Hood and splits that arrow. Yes. As she's fighting with her mother who forbids it. It's all very boundary testing. It's all very teenage angst. Yeah. Curse this dress. Merida, stop this. Don't you dare loose another arrow. Merida, I forbid it. And they have a fight and Merida takes off, right? Right. If there's one thing I know, okay. you don't go where horses don't go. Oh, yeah. If a horse stops, that, that's a good sign not to go. Yeah. I don't they I, know. I don't know if they have that thing where they can see into the astral plane at the same time as the physical plane. Yeah. Or if it's just their natural senses. I feel like a medieval little girl would know if your horse is... is it's not oh it, it, honestly that scene gives me the heebie-jeebies because like yeah i think because of how naturalistic the horse is done yeah um and the way that it stops and paws and is very like no 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 mm-hmm. Woo! but then just goes around the rocks just goes around the rocks <laughs> like a big like, it was it was all this I, i'm not gonna cross this this rock circle i'm just gonna walk the so, extra 10 feet of this go around, around it. It. um and f- continue to follow the will wisp yeah. now the other thing is I am someone who has been in the home of an old woman who decorates entirely in dolls. And this is another sign (laughs) that I would have taken as a big nope and to turn around and And go the other direction. This is wrong. Who are you? Just a humble woodcarver. Um, I I don't understand. See anything you like? Um, Perhaps a touch of whimsy to brighten any damn chamber. But the -the will-o'-the-wisps... 
Really? Oh. This is one of a kind. I'll make you a deal for this rare prize. Your brim! It was sweeping by itself. That's ridiculous. That said, I love this little witch. She's I delightful. I think she's absolutely delightful. I love that she's got a hobby and that, you know, yeah, she's a witch, but she's also diversifying. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, it wasn't like she was trying to pull one over on Merida. I wouldn't she, mind a whole like mini series about the witch. Absolutely not. That, or, or sorry. She, absolutely. Yes. Like that would be great. So many side businesses. We find out mm-hmm. a little bit. Little later. hustles. Yeah. And uh, uh, a medieval answering machine system set up. We find out. Yeah, which I mean is fucking rad. It like is. pour a potion in for to dial two. Like this is great. It's great. But yes, she's a delight. Um, and she abuses the fuck out of her crow. Peta would not be happy with this. No, film. she smacks that crow she with that broom so many times. Bro. And somewhere in this scene, there is a carved wooden um Mike and Sully, if I recall correctly. Oh, that's fine. And it's one of those things that people say lends credence to the sort of like grand unified Pixar theory. Yeah. Which I'll drop a link for in the show notes. But yeah, she she was absolutely delightful. When I saw that it was a witch, my mind immediately went, okay, so she's going to be the villain. All right. Whatever. Again, subverted my expectation. Like, I thought she was going to try to be evil or whatever yeah, and, no. and didn't end up doing that. And I, I thought that was also good, but also I was like, well, who's the villain in this movie? Angst. Angst. Teenage angst Teenage is the villain. Angst is the villain. And I think that that is again, pretty refreshing. Well, I guess more do is more technically could, the villain, but like that, that's what Disney and Pixar to this point have, have kind of started moving towards is that having a central villain doesn't necessarily really or having someone that is just a villain mm. is not really interesting anymore yeah and like you know especially with with kids Again, and things like that it's generational like, differences in filmmakers exactly um and yeah i mean like hell you get to turning red and puberty is the villain like you know like right. that's it's so it's so it, it's fun to see the, the like how these threads were starting to kind of move towards that in in you know, Disney and Pixar. But I love the tweaked look on Eleanor's face when she eats cake. Oh, yeah. This for me. Mm. Oh, interesting flavor. How do you feel? It's the heart. Different heart. Mm. And then, um, gimme. Have you changed your mind at all about the marriage and all that? Now, why don't we go upstairs to the Like the, the whole the way that they animated all the different squinches and reactions. That was absolutely well done. I almost I would not be surprised. I don't think they did, but it, I, I would not be surprised if they like modeled some of those off of um I mean I don't think they put Emma Thompson in mocap, but I believe she was making those faces in the booth. Oh, for sure. And those and those are always filmed for reference, yeah. hundred yeah. percent. But the uh yeah, her, and especially like as she's going through the party and going upstairs and being like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about me. My lords, I am out of sorts at the moment, but you shall have your answer. <laughs> Presently. Now, if you'll. Oh. Excuse us. And, you know, it's just, it's like, you know, you, you know, those kind of people that absolutely are, that are absolutely are like, 
I don't want to ruin anyone's vibe. I'm going to go up here and die in a corner. I've literally <laughs> been that person. Like that time I was drunken and drag and trying to Irish goodbye from that Halloween party. <laughs> I remember vividly. Wig all askew. Clancy remembers vividly because later I barfed right up the side of this car. Yeah. Because there was stop and go traffic on the 22 at 1 a.m. Whatever. <laughs> um, point is, uh, we get the big change and everything. And I love the characterization of Eleanor as this bear. The yes. way she keeps trying to put that goddamn tiara on her head. Oh, my God. How it's it so stays cute. on is anybody's guess. But she just gets so persnickety about it and realizes that she's naked um, and starts <laughs> having such a fit about it. And this is where I realized or where I uh, remembered, I guess, that the eyes yeah. in Eleanor Bear, Bellinor, Bearlinor, this is the point where I noticed why the eyes were different. Eleanor, when she's being more human, her eyes look like Merida's and the other humans. Um, And then the switch, they go, you know. They've got the Disney eyes when it's actually Eleanor. Yeah. It, it's Again, it's a subtle thing, but you immediately understand what they were trying to it's convey clever. Yeah. I like it. Very, very clever. She got big old hips as a bear. Big old <laughs> hips trying to get through those doors, <laughs> bounding down those hallways. And these boys. They have who to rely on the boys to escape. It's But lovely. the fact that the boys pick up that that's their mom. Yeah. Almost immediately. Well, and I mean, a lot of it is the behavior because she starts bossing them around in the trophy yeah. room. <laughs> because they've effectively made some sort of abomination with all of various and, yeah, and taxidermy taxidermy stuff. Yeah, it's very, very cute. And these little boys, again, we get their uh, robust characterization yes. as they start executing this breakout mm -hmm. and that goofy little bird call that they do to sort of <laughs> signal down the hallway. Oh, it's lovely. And they create the the chicken bear puppet situation. It's a oh whole. Oh my god! It's a whole shenanigans. I, I, the 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 whole crew is led on a merry chase, and it's a roasted chicken that's a puppet, and they're screaming into this pot to make bear noises. Yeah, and they're popping in and out of all these passages, and then all of those men are left at the top of that tower. And how do they have to get down? Clint? They take off all their pants and make a not rope. pants, kilts. They're kilts. And that's important because they don't have any undergarments on yeah. as we've, as we've alluded to previously. So they make your classic old tropey sort of bed sheet escape out of their quick kilts. Yeah. And then the camera literally pans down to see all of their bare asses. Like, I Are think that's not hairy. Well, that, but also this might be the first time that Pixar or really Disney in that matter has done bare butts mm, disney's done bare butts on like mickey of humans oh and adult humans like this isn't and it, not just one like it's literally a parade of it's bare a parade ass. of butts and i it, the the pun intentional or not is not lost on me every time the bear and bear are used either thematically <laughs> or literally yeah in the dialogue it because again a parade of bear asses goes right by the, and it's just like this goofy why you're Clancy's right. They look like silly putty butts. <laughs> it was fun and refreshing, but also it's one of those things where it's like, it's normalizing the human form, the human form. Absolutely. Because it, I mean, to, to that point, they explicitly aren't sexualized. No, that's and all of those I, men are just like, Hey, we're yes. standing here naked. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's important. Well, half, but it's the half that's important. 
It's the hound. <laughs> My God. Merida returns to the witch's cottage with Eleanor only to find it deserted and discovers a message from the witch. Unless Merida is able to mend the bond torn by pride before the second sunrise, the spell will become permanent. Merida and Eleanor are led by the wisps to ancient ruins where they encounter Mordu. Realizing that Mordu was the prince of legend, Merida vows that she will not let the same thing happen to her mother and concludes she needs to repair the family tapestry she damaged during their argument. They return to the castle to find the clans on the verge of war. Merida intends to relent and declare herself ready to choose a suitor, as tradition demands, but Eleanor prompts her instead to insist that the firstborn should be allowed to marry in their own time to whomever they choose. The clans agree, breaking tradition, but renewing and strengthening their alliance. And now she's gone and blown up the witch's cottage. And how's she going to feel when she gets back from Wicker Man? Yeah, the crafty Carver house <laughs> is gone and it's and it's sad. Now, we should say it's gone because, Mer- like like we were alluding to earlier, there's this uh, medieval answering machine that uh, is triggered by a Rube Goldberg machine. Welcome to the crafty Carver, home of bear-themed carvings and novelties. I am completely out of stock at this time. But if you'd like to inquire about portraits or wedding cake toppers, pour vial one into the cauldron. If you like the menu in Gaelic, vial two. If you're that red-haired lass, vial three. To speak with a live homunculus, princess, I'm off to the Wickerman Festival in Stockholm. Lots of very clever stuff this witch has got going on, but again, apparently she can see through time when you think about it. Um, because one of the things she was carving was an automobile. It was like a truck. <laughs> I think it might have been the Pizza Planet truck now that I'm thinking about it. That's absolutely what it is. But, for sure. So all of this stuff, you knickknack, paddywhack, give a dog a bone into the cauldron. Yeah. Um, and her visage comes up and she's left a potion specifically for Merida, which in and of itself is then also capturing. So it, like there's a lot going on here. I, I think um, there's a few D&D spells that might be covered in the writing of this. <laughs> and yeah, we find out, you know, we get this really weird cryptic message about um, mending the bond torn by pride. Fate be changed. Look inside. Mend the bond torn by pride. And then she fucking freaks out and blows the place up. Yeah, because she wants to at least get more information. But this is all recorded shit, and she said what she was going to say, Merida. And maybe that's but. maybe that's why she panics because as a medieval teen, she doesn't understand the concept of recording. <laughs> I mean, maybe I- that's probably <laughs> what it is. It blew up that fucking house. Well, and it's interesting they get so much physical comedy out of mm-hmm. this grunting bear. And absolutely, I, and it's, it's when you think about how much of the Merida Eleanor scenes have very little in the way of traditional dialogue. Yeah. The way that they get some of this across is honestly quite a feat. But one of the things that uh, I trip on then is like, did they have traditional cutlery in quote medieval times? Because this bear has fashioned a fork and a knife. Trying to use the fork and a knife, like, and sometimes successfully. Right. This whole mama bear bonding montage was absolutely delightful and really kind of wholesome and you know when they were going to catch that fish a it's it's moving the the plot along in terms of eleanor is realizing all the skills that merida has yes are very useful valuable and, and valuable yeah and, and again this is all done without dialogue and that's really impressive yes and that her perspective her approach the things she's learned on her own separate from her mother uh, make her capable. I like what's happening here. I just feel like perhaps the coding that we're getting here is that Merida is quote a tomboy. 
comma, but I would like if a little bit more of that, because we get we get where that's coming from, the way that her and her father are close and seem to have a little bit more of a friendly relationship than her and her mother. Yeah. Um, we see it, obviously, in the athleticism and her archery, but we don't get the sur- survivalist Merida prior to this montage. No, we don't get why Merida knows that her mother is eating poisonous berries or how to catch a fish. Yeah. Prior to just pointing it out. Maybe we don't need it. Well, there was when she was doing like the little triathlon thing at the beginning and climbed up to the top of that uh, uh, waterfall. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And that is the thing that her mother dismisses when she sits down at the table and is like, hey, I did. I climbed the hag's tooth yeah. and drank from the river of fire or whatever. Again, I get it. I wish I had had the moment with my mother where I'm like, see, this is what I get out of being a theater kid. But I had to sew my own vest for Pinocchio. So here we are. Here we are. Jesus. And Josh is reliving his trauma. It's Josh's again. trauma corner again. Josh's Here we go. Trauma Woo! corner, my God. But yeah, the, in the miming that the bear or mama bear is doing to convey all of like the things that she's trying to say are really effective. It, again, just done well. And we kind of glossed over it earlier, but the sort of inciting incident where Merida and Eleanor are having the argument with each other, but Eleanor is having it with Fergus. Yeah. And Merida is having it with her horse, Hamish. Mm -hmm. I feel like the point of that conversation is both of them are talking and feel the other isn't listening. And um, it's interesting to show that they are able to communicate when language effectively is taken out of the situation. Like, yeah, I, I, I see what they're doing with this story. And hey, kids. Your parents aren't the, quote, monsters that you yeah. see them to be. Your parents are actually human beings. Um, and I think that's where we get some of the generational differences between filmmakers right now and filmmakers, um, you know, up to Brave, up to Enchanted. Because there yeah. was that one tweet that I showed you. Um, I'll link it in uh, the show notes. Someone was pointing out that millennial filmmakers, when you look at Encanto, when you look at everything everywhere all at once, when you look at. Coco, Coco yeah, uh, and there was one more turning red. That's it. Mm-hmm. Millennial filmmakers are making sci-fi and fantasy movies mm-hmm. where the whole point is parents apologizing. Oh yeah, for Ab- what they did, absolutely. And this, I would argue, is an, an, a tale meant to instruct children that hey, your parents aren't monsters; they just want the best for you. Well, sure, in most cases. But the danger in those stories is where you get situations uh, where parents are actually abusive. Which is why I think they're turning away from this, like, yeah. that you get in um, Enchanted with, you know, this sort of villainous parental figure. Because that, that shit in and of itself is, is not fantasy to a no, degree. This is all. not that podcast, but not for nothing. I got residual trauma for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and again, thanks for, thanks for joining Josh's uh, trauma corner. So, yeah, Josh's trauma and therapy corner. <laughs> And truly, like the moral here, actions speak louder than words. That is the moral. Yeah. And also maybe everyone should take a breath and listen time and again. Absolutely. And then we get, uh, you know, Merida coming back and kind of coming into her own as the reconciliation of this. Her and her mother have effectively communicated what they need to each other. Yeah. And Merida becoming a little bit more queenly. But the way that even the dogs are terrified when she tells everyone to shut it. Well, you see, I, I have been in conference with the queen. Is that so? I, 
It is. Well, where is she then? She, uh... How do we know that this isn't some trick? I've uh, never... This is highly irregular. Doing, uh... Where is the queen? You will not stand for any more of this jiggery pie. Oh, that's right. Let's see her. Shut it! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh... Oh, yeah. That's... That's true coming into her power. Well, and uh, and Fergus <laughs> turns at that point and was like, oh, right. Because he did that earlier in the movie. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's like, like you know, that uh, she's she's, you know, she's she's growing her, up. She's her she, parents child. Exactly. And yeah, it's it's a message that's coming delightfully full circle, I think. All right. Let's wrap this mother up, shall we? Let's do it. Literally and figuratively. Merida and Eleanor sneak back into her room to get to the tapestry, where Eleanor attacks Fergus before regaining her composure and fleeing the castle. Mistaking the queen for Mord and thinking it has eaten his wife, Fergus pursues the bear with the other clans, locking Merida in the castle. Merida escapes, repairs the tapestry, and rides out after her father and the clans, who have captured Eleanor, but Merida thwarts them before the real Mordu arrives. Battle ensues and Mordu targets Merida, but Eleanor intercedes, holding off Mordu and causing him to be crushed by a falling standing stone. The prince's spirit is released as Merida covers her mother in the repaired tapestry to no effect. As the sun rises for the second time during the spell, Merida realizes the mistake she has made and reconciles with Eleanor, unknowingly fulfilling the true meaning of the witch's message and reversing the spell's effects on her mother and brothers. With Mordu gone, Merida and Eleanor work together on a new tapestry, when they are called to the docks to bid farewell to the other clans and ride their horses off together. At this point, I am very emotionally invested in this movie. Same. I'm truly caring about these characters. That's refreshing because there's a lot of movies that don't do that. Blank check. And, you know, it's just nice to have the parallels that you can see within your own life happening on that screen and making those connections. It was definitely it was a good feeling. At but that point. poor Madi being terrorized by these boys, yeah. both as humans and cubs. <laughs> and they chase her through the Ding Dang Castle. And then, as you alluded to earlier, one of them drops down from the ceiling right into her Tig old biddies to retrieve the key to get Merida out of her room. And I knew the moment that she put the key up in there. It's Chekhov's boob key. It's like the Chekhov, minute that happens, somebody is going to be key. reaching down there in some form or fashion to get it. We've seen this, this whole thing ever since women have been in corsets. And yeah, that boob dive. My God. But hey, here we are. Boobs. But there's no Nazis in this movie. But, and this little baby bear face plants in that cleavage. But we're the groomers. Again, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> oh God. Here's where my childhood trauma offers some perspective. I okay. think the ultimate lesson here. Is that, like I said earlier, if you don't allow yourself to see the humanity in someone, mm-hmm. that they will stay the monster you paint them as. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I like that. I love my impudent rage. I love it on Twitter. I love it on Facebook. It makes me feel good sometimes to be angry. Yeah. Um, and to sit in that anger for a bit. What? Um, no. <laughs> How dare you? (laughs) That said, sometimes that humanity isn't there and doesn't exist because it's not being reflected back at you. That 
honestly, to me, is the actual message of this movie, whether it was intended or not, is that that humanity has to be seen both ways. It takes Eleanor uh, having this beastly transformation to realize, as we pointed out earlier, that Merida's knowledge, skills, existence, lived experience has value in and of itself and does not need to have her mother's opinion stamped onto it to give it value. Exactly. But, you know, and it's also Merida realizing that her mom is really wanting the best for her. Yeah. And and trying to, A, to fulfill, you know, some misogynistic nonsense that was, you know, marrying Boisted off to. upon her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, it's a mutual understanding. Like, again, emotionally invested. When we look at Turning Red, also, we kind of get to that same place at the end of that film. But... It's the mother that has the realization that the child needs to be allowed to do her own thing as opposed to necessarily seeing it through the eyes of the child having to change the opinion of the mother, which is effectively what happens. But they're just I feel like they're both on the other side of um, two sides of the same coin is Mm -hmm. the metaphor that I'm scrambling for. Yeah, because it's midnight. I have two other notes here. Um, Okay, one that uh, it's funny. They literally. Once she changes back to human, Eleanor lets her hair down because they're never bound up in braids again. No. And she's buck-ass naked as a wee baby. <laughs> oh, mom. Oh, um, dear. I'm naked. Naked as a wee baby. Would you just dare let me do something? What the? Avert your eyes, lads. Show some respect. <laughs> <laughs> And I fucking love, I forgot that it happened, but I fucking love that we get wee babby in here twice. Yes. Twice. It's yeah, it was definitely super, it was definitely super funny and super cute. The naked brothers jumping on like a trio of naked wee babbies. Yes. It's delightful. It is absolutely delightful. My last note. And honestly, I think the biggest win for this film is it Marty get you that thick man hell yeah Marty has Marty has good taste have an adult grab you down that corset bitch yes yes climb that bitch like a tree and ride him into the sunset Marty exactly I mean Marty won Marty won this film Marty 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 is the true hero and again having that having that redemption moment where it's like you know she was shat on through this entire movie and then she got the good and then she got the big guy. It's kind of how like on Parks and Rec, uh, as as poorly as they treat yeah. uh, Jerry slash Gary, the writers gave him Larry. Quote, Larry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The writers gave him, quote, the biggest penis I've ever seen. <laughs> quote. Yes, that was such a that was such a good one. That man has the largest penis I have ever seen. I actually don't even know if he has mops. Forgot to look. I was distracted by the largest penis I have ever seen. It's nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, shall we wrap? I mean, that this is neat and tidy. Yeah, no, I thought, again, I thought this movie was absolutely delightful. I love that the witch was not a villain. And yeah. I love that, like, again, it, it subverted your expectations it almost at every moment. It did. And I, and I really enjoyed that. And I, I was kind of concerned because one of the reasons why I didn't watch it is because a lot of people said that this was one of the weakest Pixar movies. And I don't believe that at all. I think that's with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. Because again, Wreck-It Ralph happened the same year. And so of course it drew direct comparisons. Sure. This yeah. is, it's a, it's a story about a relationship it um, is. at its core. Yeah. And it's, and honestly, I felt like they could have gone further with it yeah. with this, but I think that that's probably the creative differences of the reason why the one 
uh, yeah. the original director left. And we, yeah, I'll talk about that a little bit in the trivia. Yeah. Um, but it, it had a budget of about 185 million and made 540.4 million. Yeah, yeah, that's bananas. Critics gave it an aggregate of 78% according to Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Richard Corliss of Time Magazine said, by the climax at which all right-thinking viewers have dissolved into a puddle of warm appreciation, the new Pixar film has earned two tears and a big bear hug. Yep. Ian Nathan of Empire Magazine said, no less lovely than former films in many ways lovelier, but Brave is boutique Pixar. Less ambitious, more succinct, excellent at a lower ebb. I think that's a fair approach. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but then not, we got this. And then we got Nigel Andrews from Financial Times, who gives a fuck. Why is the Financial Times doing film reviews? Yeah, anyway. I don't know either. A cockamamie folklore from a land too distant from Hollywood digimators to strain themselves over authenticity get the fuck out of here what it's, this a, is it's a such God, a word salad it is such a word fucking salad Shut and i'm up, glad nigel. that you have a fucking di- dictionary nigel right stop writing call your mother because clearly you have issues issues um viewers a little bit less at 75 percent yeah um we've got four stars from use gene b a daring original narrative from Disney Pixar that isn't as gripping as other films, but still has enough sentiment and charm to keep audiences smiling. Sure. Uh, yeah, we've got Matthew M who also gave it four and a half stars saying an interesting and different kind of Pixar movie. Brave may not be for everyone, but it remains a strong showing from Pixar and is a great one to show to both young girls and I'm assuming young boys, young boys. It yes. Cut off. However, John K said it's about as bland as you could ever expect a Pixar movie to be. In fact, nothing about this movie screams Pixar. I would disagree, John. You weren't paying attention. Absolutely not. It won the Oscar and Golden Globe for Best Animated Feature. Yep. I uh, got a BAFTA for Best Animated Film. And it was nominated for a Grammy for Mumford and Sons and Birdie's Learn Me Right. That's who that was. Yes. Okay, cool. Over the credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The music- and then a, a bunch of other nominations and a handful of wins from various critic orgs and creative yeah. societies. And then we got some trivia. Look at that first one. Yeah. Reese with her spoon uh, was originally cast as Mirida, um, but had to drop out due to other movies. But later during press junkets for Sing, she said it was because she couldn't get her accent down. Uh, <laughs> I could, I could see that. I could see that. Um, also Pixar created three original tartan patterns for this film for the three of the four clans, mm. Dunbrock, Dingwall, and MacGuffin. Clan Macintosh wears a red tartan similar to the non-fictional Clan Macintosh. Okay. Um, and Walt Disney registered, like the company registered the Clan uh, Dunbrock tartan with the official Scottish register of tartans upon the release of the film, which was the second time it had done so after doing it for Clan McDuck, a.k.a. Scrooge McDuck's oh. tartan. In 1942. That's rad. Isn't yeah. that fun? That is fun. Now, the director kerfuffle that we talked about that I do want to mention, Brenda Chapman considers it a fairy tale in the tradition of uh, Anderson and the Brothers Grimm. Yeah. She was the writer and director. And then uh, in October of 2010, she was replaced by Mark Andrews after, quote, creative differences between her and John Lasser. Who knows what that means? I'm not about to speculate. Yeah. Andrews came in later and said that the bones of the film were fine, uh, but it was the, the, quote, the things hanging off the bones. There were problems. There were things that were not working. What a weird weird way to talk about a film. That for sure. But at least they credited her as the director and him as the co-director. She would later go on to say that her vision came through in the film and she was very proud of the movie and ultimately uh, glad that she stood up for herself. Okay, rad. I I can see why that was happening, and especially because she's the first female Pixar director, truly. 
She was, yeah. Um, and that, you know, especially with the environment that she did, I can see and why there might be a problem. that's what she said about going back. Like, I, that's not an environment I want to work in again, which makes For me sure. believe that maybe it wasn't necessarily creative differences between her and John Lasseter, but sure. I'm not here to speculate. Yeah. And he's not there anymore anyway. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, watch this movie. Yeah, it's watch it. Great. It's fun. It's delightful. Uh, the music's great. Music is wonderful. Very pretty. Uh, and again, it's very pretty. Butterface. If you can get over that, I think uh, it's great. Who are you calling about? Oh, all of them. You're calling everyone a butterface. But but her. Yeah, but yes, her, putty yeah, face. Putty Silly face. putty face. Silly putty face. Um, but yeah, <laughs> in, in terms of how it's gonna impact your children, it's gonna maybe um help them see your perspective a, a little bit differently. Yeah. But maybe you should see theirs also. Um, they might have questions about cleavage and about man ass, but Hey, yeah. these aren't things you should shy away from. Cause everybody no, has butts and, and most, um, women have cleavage and sometimes even people who aren't, I've got ample cleavage yeah. uh, with enough, uh, ace bandage and some birdseed, uh, titties. Um, <laughs> my point is it's a great film top to bottom. Absolutely. Where can they find us on social media? Uh, well, they can find us, uh, at nonpluspod on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and Facebook. Yes. Too. And you can email us at suggestions at nonpluspod.com. If you've got thoughts, feelings, uh, issues, suggestions, as the email if implies. You, yeah, if you want, if you have any suggestions for Josh's uh, trauma corner, we can, uh, <laughs> we can submit those there. Also, for bonus content from the network, we're getting the Patreon kicked back up again. Patreon.com slash making mischief. You can get bonus content. Like I said, yes. all the shows across the network. Also, rate, review, subscribe in your podcasting platform of preference. Mm-hmm. Love for you to game that algorithm for us. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed this edition of not plot. I got nothing. This was nice. It was nice to watch something that I didn't it hate was. myself and for that's, afterwards. And, yes. <laughs> and I liked that we found something that I hadn't seen. And it was, and, and again, going in, going into that. Don't get used to this. Well, absolutely. We're better when we hate what we're watching. Uh, <laughs> I, I completely agree, but this was definitely refreshing. And thank every, thank you all for coming on this journey with us. Yes. Gotta love it every once in a while. Otherwise it's just going to be ongoing trauma. Um, <laughs> sure. Both relived and as we're watching. Absolutely. Ugh, twice the trauma, none of the fun. We don't want that on nonplussed. No, not no. at all. Well, that over there is my husband, Josh. And that over there is my husband, Clancy. And we are nonplussed. Nonplussed. But not about brave. But not about brave. No. If you could change your fate, would you? No. No, I Because I really like this movie. It was it was good. I, I had a good this time is, watching this, this movie. This is a good accent that I'm doing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what accent you're doing or where he's supposed to be from. I don't know. Bye. Bye. Merida returns to the witch. Merida. Merida. Merida returns to the witch's cottage. I'll wait. I just said murder. Being a murder. <laughs> I do declare. Remember, get an extra 20% off your $50 subscription to Knowable with code nonplussed and enjoy hundreds of hours of educational content ad free. Just download the Knowable app and use the code nonplussed for 20% off your subscription. Again, download the Knowable app and use code nonplussed when subscribing for 20% off.
knowable, comprehensive podcast style audio courses for the curious mind and for cutie patooties like you. Oh. Bum, bum, bum. oh.